Hey everybody, happy Thursday, happy start of Ohio State Training Camp. This is the Podcast Daily. It's it's a Thursday for you, and it's Training Camp Eve for us. I'm Austin Ward, that's Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham, diving into all of the storylines as the Buckeyes hit the field to officially kick off the 2022 practice season. It's one of my favorite days. Uh, we get these, This offseason also felt like it took forever. Uh, one of the longest ones uh, on memory for me for a lot of different reasons, so... Really excited to get back out there, start seeing some things, start evaluating some things, and I'm going to start by watching the quarterbacks like I always do because I'm a simpleton. And to me, I said it the other day, it's Kyle McCord uh, and Devin Brown. Uh, How wide is that margin as I start processing the future? I always try and tell people not to look too far ahead, but then I do that immediately when I go out there. So I'm just how I'm kicking it off with the things. I didn't really mention that the other day that I'm looking for. I'm excited. I know you guys are too. I'm excited to see if Devin Brown does a backflip at open yeah. camp. That was like, you know, like we tend to make too much of things that we see on social media, but <laughs> I don't think any, a thing underscores a person's athletic ability more than the ability to just do a standing backflip wearing a standing backflip while you're wearing a full football uniform. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Yeah. I don't even think I can do a somersault, so that seems pretty good. I'm having a hard time standing, so... <laughs> I, I'm also excited to watch the quarterback situation develop. Obviously, last year we were like, oh, who's the starter? We all kind of had a feeling it was going to be C.J. Stroud, but then he was so much better than we really thought he could have been in, in year one as a starter. I, I think the battle with with uh, Devin Brown and Kyle McCord is going to be fun to watch. I actually think there's probably more of a battle at running back than we've Ooh. alluded to. Ooh. Because, I mean, how sober. I think Mike Williams is a really good player. And I think that Travion Henderson obviously is very good as well and was the man last year for the majority of the season. But I, I think there's an opportunity for Mayan Williams to get an equal share of, of carries this year. And when you think about just the pure insanity of how talented this offense is at quarterback, at running back, you have uh, Heisman Trophy candidates at, at all three levels of the offense and at quarterback, running back, and wide receiver. You have an offensive line that Bill, I know, is excited about that should be extremely uh, uh, powerful and dominant. And then we talked about it the other day. You, you mentioned it on the first episode of the podcast daily. It's like, who is the tight end that steps up? Is Joe Royer going to take that leap? I mean, there's a lot of things on offense that we sort of gloss over because the defense has been the majority of the questions. But the offense still has some, some stuff to prove. I'm frankly surprised that you said you were wanting to watch the running backs and there was no mention of Evan Pryor and that that it was purely... Well, I don't think Evan Pryor's in the position to fight for the starting role. I think we will see Evan Pryor get used a lot, not in our viewing sessions the next couple days because we don't get to see... You just mean September 3rd? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a a serious role for Evan Pryor as well. So uh, I I just think that Tony Alford's room has sort of been left out of the intrigue, but I don't think it should be. It's interesting because... (sighs) I, I just think, and I'll speak for myself, throughout spring ball, when we were in there in this building right over here, who was the guy who flashed the most, maybe with what he could bring and the different skill set? And I you know I wrote at the time and compared it to that Curtis Samuel role, and I asked Evan Pryor about that. He obviously knew him well and remembered the touchdown that capped uh, that thriller against Michigan a few years back. And That's where I think it's interesting. To your point, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's competing to be the starting running back, but it does tend to mean that He's fighting for touches maybe more directly against Mayan Williams. I don't think it's going to come at the expense of the wide receivers the way that maybe Curtis Samuels did. But that's one thing that I, when you talk about the running backs being intriguing, I want to see how that's going to work out because Ohio State has got itself in trouble in the past when it's, oh, we got we have to get all these guys involved. I think of the timeshare with J.K. Dobbins and Mike Weber didn't work. 
And now we're talking about a third player who's got a lot of talent who I think has to be involved in the offense. And that's part of the puzzle pieces you have to fit together starting today. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of the guys who could sort of upset the status quo because Ohio State has so much coming back that you could kind of talk yourself into this camp not being super interesting from a position battle standpoint kind of across <laughs> the board, uh, which is unfortunate for us. But we'll, we'll make plenty of controversy out of it. Don't worry. Uh, as good as the media for if you're not right, making controversy. Right. But when I, when I thought about that, Evan Pryor was a guy that, that, I, that I did think of. Uh, and I think there's room for all three in the offense. And honestly, I think it could be really good for Trevion Henderson if, if that is the case, because I did feel like Trey kind of wore down a little bit toward the end of last year. And understandably so, he was a true freshman who hadn't played football in, what, like yeah. 18 months by yeah. the time the season started. So there's going to be some wear and tear there that I think I think eventually catches up with you, and, and, and it seemed to do that for him. But if he can be a guy who, obviously, you're going to give him all the touches he needs against Notre Dame, but if you can kind of save him, quote-unquote, sort of in the meat of the season, you know, and, and I think they tried to do that at points last year, but if you have a, a third viable back and a guy like Evan Pryor where you can do that even more, then I think you can let a 100% or near 100% Trevion Henderson, which they didn't have at the end of last year, sort of loose when, when the money's down and you have to win your games like here. That's sort of the conversation that I think you know Tony Alford has had to manage. It's like if you sit down with Mayan Williams, and I think in December there were a lot of people here and elsewhere around the country who thought, well, there's no way he's going to return. Yeah. So what, are, what do you have in those conversations? You can have 100 carries – for a team that is going to be in contention to win a national title, or you can have 250 at Cincinnati. Yeah. Which one of those do you prefer? And to Mayan Williams' credit, it, it you know, and I'm not saying that those conversations actually did happen. I'm speculating that part. But he chose to stay here. And knowing that Evan Pryor was on the rise, and knowing that Travion Henderson was going to come back with, you know, bu- Doak Walker-type buzz and best running back in America conversation. So the fact that they kept that room together and in that way, tells you there must be some pretty good chemistry brewing there and that you don't maybe have to worry about problems, how much somebody needs to touch the football once you actually get into the middle of September and October. But it's also a conversation they had, especially with Evan Pryor and Trayvon Henderson, while they were being recruited two years ago. This was a situation where, hey, don't worry about coming in here and getting 400 carries a year. Come in here and get 150 really good carries a year and then be healthy when you're on the way to the NFL in three seasons. And now you look at Mayan Williams, if he can get 150 good carries this season, he can go off to the NFL after this year as a guy that was an afterthought in the class of 2019 and all, or 2020, why why you recruit this guy? And now he has an opportunity to be an NFL running back in a very short order. So you have players that fit roles, you have guys that understand their role, uh, but ultimately I think the biggest thing on offense is that all these guys understand that when they get the ball, they better do something with it because there is another guy right behind them or right on side of them that is going to take that opportunity if they don't use it. And I think that's true at wide receiver. I think we've talked so much about Jackson Smith and Jigba and Marvin Harrison and Emeka Luka that we've sort of glossed over Julian Fleming and, and Cameron yeah. Babb and Jaden Ballard. You just you better you better take advantage of the opportunity when you get it. Yeah, that's more offensive talk than I thought we would yeah. actually get into uh, at the start of camp because it just, they're going to be really good. They're going to be the best offense in America, most likely, unless something goes very wrong. Uh, and there's so much more intrigue on the defense on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. Did you start with the defense? Your depth chart? The defense was on Wednesday. Defense was on Wednesday. And then you got a qu- one of your first questions. You wrote about that uh, at Rivals, where you and I currently work. Uh, for dotting the I's, you can subscribe now for free for the rest of this month if you are so inclined. One of the first questions you got was about the defensive line rotation and specifically 
JT Tuimoloau, and if he would be able to rack up, was it eight and a half sacks and over and under? Eight and a half was the number. Yeah, I, I thought that was an intriguing question because some of this revolves around how much Larry Johnson is going to rotate and who starts at the top of that rotation. Yeah, I thought it was good number two. It was, it was kind of based off Chase Young's sophomore year when he had, what do you have, 10 or 10 yeah. and a half, and he did it with like like two bum ankles. Wasn't able to yeah. stand imagine, for a lot of that just season. Just imagine if he was healthy. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good number to throw out there for JT because I, I really do think he's about to take off, but I, I think maybe his rise could look a little different. I, I think he's a, he's a slightly different player, and when I think about where the sack production in this defense might come from, and it's informed by sort of what happened with Jim Knowles at Oklahoma State, I think it's the other end position, the, the one that kind of moves around a little bit, that Jack Leo, whatever we're calling it. <laughs> um, and I think that's guys like Jack Sawyer. I think that's maybe Zach Harrison gets involved in that. Um, I don't know. You know, I, I think eventually Caden Curry does that. I don't know if he does that this year, but but I think he's a guy you talk about long term in that position. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's JT. I think JT is going to be rock solid against the run, a load to handle. I think he's going to command a lot of attention and open up things for a lot of other players. But I don't know if he's going to have a monster sort of statistical season when you get to the point where you're talking about double digit sack numbers. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Totally agree. Uh, I I thought it was because Jack Sawyer was going to take hold of that. I, I know. It's Bill just not his role. I yeah. mean, this is a defense that is predicated on guys handling their role and making sure that your gap sound and allowing the other defensive end, the guy who's standing up, to move around. And, and because you can't do that if JT Tuimaloa is missing his assignments or, or freelancing. So you better be really solid in that spot. I, I just think that the defensive line is very reminiscent to me of the 2017 defensive line as opposed to the 2018 when you're talking about Chase Young in that season. If you have the 2017 group that had Sam Hubbard and Taekwon Lewis and uh, Jay Sean Cornell and just a, a handful of guys that I think you can pretty much count on them on any any series, any down, and then you just play them based on who who needs who's got the juice going at that moment. I don't know that it's a situation where you should expect these are our starters and, and that's who's going to be out there every rep. Yeah, 2017, that's a pretty high bar uh, to match right there. We're talking about nothing but NFL defensive ends, and but. When we're talking about Ohio State playing its best defense, some of this is going to come down to purely how much pass rush they're able to generate because you can play any scheme you want behind it, right? I mean, what really fueled some of what happened for Jeff Halfley's unit? Was it really creative schemes in the back end? Yeah, partly. Was it consistent play at linebacker? Partly. Also, was it having the best defensive end in having America? Having the best defensive end in America. Yeah, I was. Ryan Day was talking about the 2019 defense as it compares to this one, and there are parallels. There's a, a lot of guys back who were young last year and kind of worked through some struggles. The, there's new coaches, a new scheme. Like, I get all that, but in my, as he was making comparison, in my head, I'm just screaming, Chase Young, Chase Young, Chase Young, Chase Young. <laughs> Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda, Jeff Okuda, Jeff Okuda. Baron Browning, Baron Browning. Yeah. yeah, no, but there were, I mean, there were dudes all over the place. Uh, Chase Young just sort of leads the pack, and, and, Honestly, you can have you can have any kind of scheme you want, like you said. And I like Jim Knowles' scheme quite a bit. I think it's fun, it's creative, it's going to be an aggressive defense. But it comes down to the guys you have, and, and especially up front last year. And I would say to a lesser extent, but still, it was evident the year before. You just didn't feel the defensive line, and that needs yeah. to change for this defense to get better. Yeah, when when you feel like the most impact from that unit is coming from, you know, a guy like Haskell Garrett or or flashes from Tyreek Williams last year. I don't think that that's a positive. No. It's good for those guys individually, but I think for the rest of that unit, if that's where you're having to rely on it for that production, which for the most part they did a year ago yeah. uh, and for the last two years, that's not great. And that's the challenge that you know Zach Harrison has to take. Uh, we'll see how much you know Tyler Friday is able to move around out here. We haven't you know spent a great deal of time. He was limited largely throughout spring, still coming off of that leg injury. But 
Uh, I know that <laughs> he bristles when I mentions it, mention it, not mentions, but uh, doesn't want to play three tech, but I still believe that he should. I'm on that team too. So I think everyone's on that team. Uh, we've been on that team for a few years. I've always thought he was an Adolphus Washington type. Yeah. Three tech um, at his best. Now, is it? Does that mindset change when it's like, hey, if I want to get on the field, this is what I'm going to have to do. But uh, I, I really think Ohio State, if you have even a quasi-productive year out of Tyreek Williams and Teron Vincent and, and um, Ty, Ty Hamilton, Hamilton, you have a pretty the makings of a pretty good interior defensive line, and that's going to change everything else that happens behind him. So to me, that we talk a lot about the defensive ends, and it's funny because we talk about Jack Sawyer and JT to and Malau all the time, but there is Zach Harrison, there is Javante Jean-Baptiste, there is Tyler Friday. There are guys that have been here for a long time who maybe make or break this defense, I think, from being a, a good defense to a great defense. Yeah. What else do, do the people need to know before camp starts, Bill? <sighs> There's like a million kickers on the roster. <laughs> well, we can talk about that. That's fun. All right. Yeah. No, I, the, the one thing I'm kind of curious about, and it didn't, it didn't happen in the spring, I don't understand why, but like they bring in Jim Knowles as this new coordinator, and we show up for spring practice, and we expect it to look different. And I don't know that it did. It just sort of yeah. looked familiar. And they hide that stuff from us. You know, Jim Knowles has coached defense for 30 years, and all his games are on television, but they still hide it from us. <laughs> uh, I, Meanwhile, NFL training camps are open to the world. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that we're able to pick up a little more on, on just what is going to change with this defense during camp. And maybe we see a little bit of that kind of Rover Jack stuff, or maybe we see some, some more rotation in, in the back end of, of, of the defense and, and get a feel for how he's going to mix coverages and things like that. We don't get to see a ton of competitive stuff, but I feel like in the spring, you know, we were just so, you know, really excited to see what it was going to be. And then he came out like, Oh, it looks so I'm, I'm hoping that we, we, <laughs> but the people were like, saying a lot, but it's a lot. not I liked- going to be the same, but, I, I want to get a feel for that in camp. Okay. I love to have conversations with a former player who may be on a show that we do on Mondays. And he'd be like, man, what, what did you think of that? Like, I like to stand on the sideline and then try and guess what coverage they're going to be in after this. I'm like, <laughs> Bob, oh, excuse me, this person, this source. Yeah. Um, we didn't get to see that part. Yeah. We were out the door. The stretch real good, we, we saw a lot of uh, a lot of base looks. A lot of positive buzz about the stretching, <laughs> though. I mean, that's important. Yeah. Everyone's loose. Uh, you know how I am. I, I, I talk about players, the individuals. I think there's things that people need to know. I, I mentioned it a little bit on the live show on Monday. Jordan Hancock is a name people have to know. Okay. okay? Jordan Hancock is going to be a superstar at cornerback. Now, does that mean that Cameron Brown gets pushed out of his starting spot? Probably not. Does that mean the Buckeyes have the opportunity to do what they love to do in the last few years and rotate three or four guys in at corner? and do that with players that they trust and that there is no drop-off, I think that's coming. I really believe that this secondary, and I mentioned it Monday, I think this is going to be a top-10 pass defense in the country. And I think if you just get everyone to stay healthy. Last year, everything, you know, we've talked so much, and people get upset about Saints' excuses and this and that. It was the youngest team in in Power 5 football, and your your veteran, the rock-solid, steady guy you're counting on at safety, breaks his leg in the second game of the season, and everything changed. It, to me, it was very similar to 2018 when Nick Bosa got hurt. You have an extremely young defense, and the one guy you feel like I can count on, yeah. all of a sudden he's gone for the whole year, and the wheels kind of fell off at that point. I think you get Proctor back, you have add Tanner McAllister in there, you, you've got Ronnie Hickman back there, and then you have a, a cornerback group of Denzel Burke, Cam Brown, Jordan Hancock, and J.K. Johnson. I think it's a special, special group in secondary, and that's an area where fans have been clamoring for an improvement the last few years, and I think you're finally going to see it. Yeah, I, I don't know 
yet if they're going to be a top 10 pass defense, but I do feel I've like... I've already said it. It's I know you have. Done. I mean, bold prediction done. is coming back. Don't worry about that. I, I was going to say, I don't know how those numbers work out, but that I think they're, they have the pieces and the aggressive scheme from Jim Knowles to lead the nation in interceptions, which would be more valuable than whatever that passing... Now, that's number. a bold prediction. So, there we are. That, that show's coming back. Yeah. This one, though, is the Podcast Daily. It's the start of camp. We're going to be back actually on Thursday, not just pretending it's Thursday, uh, after the first practice of training camp here at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. Can't wait to get rolling with that coverage. Hope you all will join us there. Find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher, Spotify. Name them. We're there. Yeah, all of those. You can find us. If you have problems, just let us know. Find us on Twitter. We'll let you know how to get uh, hooked up there. That's Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. See you tomorrow for the start of camp.